Okay, good evening, everybody. A very special thank you to the Cohen family for sponsoring this evening's shear in conjunction with uh, Mr. Bert Cohen. Uh, the shear is in honor of Jeff's mother, Shandel Rachel Bas Ephraim. Her yard site is this evening. And Amritz Hashem, through the Limit HaTorah and the family's continued growth, her neshama should have an aliyah. The topic this evening is reunion. I'd like to delve in fairly deep to the, one of the most dramatic reunions we have in Tanakh. Yosef HaTzadik embracing his father Yaakov Avinu, crying on his shoulder. And I'd like to, through analyzing Chazal and different perushim, to try to climb into the mind of Yaakov when he first heard the news of Yosef being alive, of his anticipation and excitement as he was about to see his son after 22 years. And then I'd also like to climb into the mind of Yosef himself, looking forward to embracing his father, knowing full well the pain and the anguish his father must have been going through over these more than two decades. What was the mindset of Yosef? What was his main motivation? What was going through his head at that time and leading up to that time? And I think from getting a clearer picture of these two giants, these spiritual giants, um, it could shed an insight into our own relationships. What's important, what to focus on, how to be there for each other in a very real and lasting way. So the brothers come to their father and they tell him, Od Yosef Chai, Yosef is still alive, and he is actually in charge. He's the leader of the entire land of Mitzrayim. And Yaakov's heart skipped a beat. He didn't believe the news that they were sharing with him. So they went on to explain the whole conversation they had with this viceroy who was really Yosef. And then when Yaakov saw the agalos, the wagons that Yosef sent, then the ruach, the life of Yaakov came back to him. And Vayomer Yisrael, notice the transition from Yaakov to Yisrael. Yisrael was the persona of Yaakov in a grander, more elevated sense. Yisrael said, Rav od Yosef benichai el beterem amos. Behold, my son Yosef is alive. I want to travel and see him before I die. That phrase is a very strange one. I want to go and see him before I die. Where's that coming from? This was on his bucket list. One of the things I need to do before leaving this world was to see Yosef at least one more time. Then I'll feel comfortable dying. It's kind of a strange idea. What's also puzzling, the Orachim points out, is why didn't Yaakov believe them as soon as the brothers shared the information? Right? They come back. They're in the midst of this whole turmoil going back and forth to Mitzrayim. And they say, Od Yosef Chai. What's there not to believe? It might have been a shock to his system, 
But why would they lie to you? You might argue, well, clearly they lied 22 years previously. But what's the point of them lying right now? If they're telling you news that could actually kill you, it could give someone a heart attack, and, and they're honest people, they're the shift they call, so obviously they're telling the truth. And then only once he saw the wagons, then we have this phrase, the spirit of life came back to Yaakov. So obviously we're well aware of the Midrashim that speak about the significance of the wagons, the Ramazim, symbolism that Yosef was trying to send to his father. But to understand that process of hearing the news, not believing at first, seeing the wagons that Yosef sent, and then that rejuvenating, that almost reviving the spirit of Yaakov, and then at that point he believes that Yosef is actually alive. So what is this process, this process that Yaakov is going through? And what exactly is this phrase, I need to see him before I die? And the first thing Yaakov says, when they embrace and they reunite, Vayomer Yisrael Yosef, Amusa hapam acharei ra'ozias panacha ki od chachai. Now I can die. <laughs> Not how are you, how have things been, how have you survived all of these years of turmoil, it, it must have been so rough. No, now I can die because you're still alive. There's a deep question here. And we're going to uh, present one of the beautiful essays of the Bear Yosef this evening. And we'll give a little biographical sketch of who he was. But the Bear Yosef is bothered by the following issue. This is source number four. Lechora eno muvan mamaro shal Yaakov b'muvanu ha'poshet. We can't understand what Yaakov's saying at face value. Now I could die. Ki zeshayich rach be'inyan mitzvah o'eza ma'isetov. The Ber Yaakov, the Ber Yosef rather, of Yosef Salant says, the only thing, if you're really climbing into the mind of one of the Tzadike Olam, one of the greatest personalities, the giants of, of the world, the only thing there could be a real sense of urgency to do is either a mitzvah or a tov, something that's really productive, something that's helping out people. Only regarding the realm of mitzvos is it appropriate to say, I want to try to keep on pushing myself to learn more, to be Mekayim or mitzvos before I no longer have a chance, before I leave this world. But the fact that Yaakov really wanted to see his son, which is understandable, that's natural, but if you take his words at face value, that it's mitzad ha-teva v'techunas ha-nefesh v'she'ifas ha-ov libano ahuvalov, that it's only coming from this fatherly desire to again meet up with Yosef, how in the world can he say the words, I need to do this before I die? And then when he sees him, now I can die. That's not how a tzaddik speaks. It's a wonderful thing to do. It's a great feeling. It's revitalizing. But this is not a mitzvah, not a maisa tov. To say it perhaps even more extreme, Peleoetz writes, and again, this is not a madrega that we could relate to, but it's definitely a valid question when trying to understand the psyche of Yaakov Avinu. The Peleoetz writes, 
the alzos yis palel kol chosid lezos yechavin kishem misave mevakesh chayim. Any real chosid, whenever he or she they're davening for chayim, they're davening for life. It doesn't just mean staying alive biologically. They're davening for something so much more meaningful, for spiritual life. Lo bishvil, listen to these words of the Peleoites, lo bishvil lehasig liros bechupas banav, not just to be able to experience the wedding of a child, veliros banim ukedoma, and to have children and grandchildren. These are all in the category of nachas. These are wonderful brachos in life that we should all be zocha to for many, many years. But that's not the real reason why I want to live if I'm a chassid or if I'm Yaakov Avinu. So, questions that Rabbi Yosef Salant, what exactly is this, this terminology of I need to see Yosef before I die? What does that have to do with mitzvos? In every conversation that Yosef has with his brothers, he's always interested in how is his father doing? And when he's playing the part of the Egyptian, right? How is your father doing of which you spoke? Is he still alive? And they answered him, yes. Right? Our father is alive. And they bow down. And then, at the very end, right before Yosef actually reveals himself to his brothers, the whole conversation, the whole back and forth with Yehuda, is if we don't bring back Binyamin, what's going to happen? Tati's not going to make it. He's not going to be able to live with his, or without his son. Then when Yosef finally gets to that dramatic scene, and he tells his brothers, Ani Yosef ha'od ovichai. I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? It's a very troubling thing to ask. Right off the bat, they're shocked that they can't respond. And your question is, is my father still alive? Of course he's alive. That was the whole conversation. Betoch dibor. Within just a couple of seconds, that was the whole back and forth with the brothers. And according to many, we don't assume that, ya- that Yosef thought maybe his brothers were lying. So he knows his father is alive and well. He just posed that question to them even before they had a chance to go all the way back to Eretz Yisrael. So he knows the answer to that question. Why is he asking again at this moment, Ha'od Ovichai? The truth is there's actually a famous insight from the Beis HaLevi. The Beis HaLevi of Yosef Dov Salavechik, who was one of the co-Rosh Hashivas in Volozhin, he takes a very unique approach. He writes that when Yosef was asking Ha'od Avichai, it wasn't really a question. The proof that it wasn't a question is the fact that they never gave him an answer. And that was never part of the conversation. What was he saying? So suggest the Beis HaLevi, it was really somewhat of a shtoch, as we say in Yiddish. It was a critique. He was giving them rebuke. Basically, you're coming to me with a sob story that you can't leave Binyamin here because you care so much about your father and he's not going to be able to handle it if, if Binyamin doesn't come home. Guess what? Ani Yosef, 
really I'm Yosef? Is my father still alive? Meaning, you didn't care about dad that much 22 years ago when you were willing to do something that clearly would destroy him. That's what the Beis Levi suggests. The truth is, I like to take a different approach, and this is based on the Orachayim. This is uh, number nine on the bottom of page two. The Orachayim has a beautiful piece where he writes that this whole conversation, all of these different terminologies of being alive, of, of uh, Yosef asking about his father, of Yaakov wanting to know or not fully believing that Yosef was still alive, explains the Orachayim. Even once Yaakov heard the news that Yosef was alive, what did that mean to Yaakov? Did that change his life radically? We would have all assumed, the answer is yeah, right? You can't believe it. Your favorite boy is alive and well. That didn't mean much to Yaakov Avinu. Of course he loved him, and of course there was that natural fatherly love. But all that information was, is that he still happens to be in existence. Okay, shkoyach, nice to know. However, Yaakov's heart was still in pain. Because he understood that even if, he, if Yosef was alive, biologically speaking, he was breathing, but you're basically telling me that he's been entrenched in, 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 in this world that's, that's the total polar opposite of everything I've tried to teach him. Yaakov taught Yosef everything he learned in the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. Yosef was his Talmud Mufak, he was his, his prized disciple. And now you're telling me, says Yaakov, that Yosef's alive. Okay, but, but what, what kind of life is he living? In, in the heart of Mitzrayim, in the klipa of Tuma, that was the source of impurity in the world. So he still had this, this question, he still had this pain that maybe he is alive, but he's no longer the tzaddik that he was before. He's no longer Yosef HaTzaddik. He's been separated from me for years. He's been living in a Makom Tuma. And the Orachaim says, really echoing the words of the Peleyoets, V'dover yaduahu, it's known. Ki tzaddikim yoser yechputsu be'eder haben b'yoser ben mavish. That a tzaddik would rather not even have his child than to have a child that totally leaves the derech. Now, this could be misunderstood. This has to be analyzed carefully. What the Orachaim means is, What's more important to someone with a real recognition and clarity of life is, is not just the nachas of being able to have children and grandchildren and a family. These are wonderful, beautiful brachos. But the greatest Yiddish nachas is what kind of life you're living. It's not just the fact that you're alive, but it's, it's what you're doing with your life. And that was the main concern of Yaakov. And that's why even once he heard that he was alive, he didn't believe that he was living. Yaakov, okay. He said, he, okay, nice. Nice to hear Yosef is alive. But is he living? 
When he saw the wagons, Rashi famously says, those wagons represent the fact that Yosef was still connected to learning. Yosef was sending his father the message because Yosef knew his dad well. The only thing that you care about, Tati, obviously you're going to be happy that I'm alive, but you want to know that I'm living. How do you know that I'm living? If I could somehow share with you the message, the information, that I'm still davok b'Torah, I'm still attached to Torah. That's what the wagons represented. When Yosef and Yaakov actually reunite, and Yaakov sees Yosef's face, what's the first thing he says to Yosef? Now I see I could die because you're alive. Why do you have to mention the fact that he's alive? He's right there. He's standing in front of you. So the Orachim explains what Yaakov was really saying is that by seeing your face, I know that you're not only alive, but you're living. I could tell by the hadras ponim, I could tell by that, that glow in your eyes, I could see the neshama, and the neshama is still aflame, the neshama is still connected to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. You're still in the world of the Torah. Somehow you've stayed in this, in this sanctuary of Kedusha, even in this Makom Tuma, even a place of, of, of impurity. Yaakov saw that right away. He said, now I see your face. I could die, not just because I'm getting nachas, but because I see that you are living. How do I see you're living? Because I can see who you are. Actually, in the Kabbalistic literature, there is an idea that someone who was well-versed and trained in Kabbalah, they'd be able to look at your face and really within a few seconds be able to have a pretty solid mastery of the makeup of your neshama. The Arizal had this ability. Right? The Chidah writes in one of his many svarim, this is in source number 10, the Chidah says that Rav Chaim Vital, who was the main disciple of the Arizal, he very much wanted to learn this particular chachma, this form of Kabbalah, being able to you know, peek into the soul just by analyzing your face. But the Arizal told him that he didn't feel comfortable sharing this tradition of Kabbalah at this point in time. He didn't want it to continue onwards throughout history. He felt that it might be uh, misunderstood, misapplied. It does go to show, though, parenthetically, that if someone tells you they have this chachma, you should be pretty skeptical. Because if Rav Chaim Vital wasn't able to receive it from the Arizal, then likely... The person over there, even though he may have a long beard and a couple red strings, and he's only charging you $19.99 for one quick session, likely he doesn't really have that chachma either. But if the Arizal had it, it's safe to assume that Yaakov Avinu had it, and that's what the Orchaim tells us. The whole, the whole she'ifa, the whole yearning, that whole ambition that Yaakov had wasn't just to see his son, but was to make sure that he was still living, living meaning, a life of ruchnius, a life of spirituality. Now, just to jump to Yosef for a moment, let's climb into the head of Yosef. As he's getting ready to see his father, the Pasuk says, Yosef Merkavto, that he ordered his chariot, 
Vayalikras Yisrael Oviv Goshen, and he went to greet his father in Goshen. Vayera Elov, two famous words that he appeared to him, which based on the subject of the Pasuk seems fairly clear that it means Yosef appeared to his father. Vayipal al Tzavorov Od. He, again, the subject here is Yosef, he fell on his father's neck and he started to cry, Ode, exceedingly. So whenever we find an example of somebody either saddling their own donkey or in this case getting their own chariot ready when they have many other people to be doing that for them, clearly there's a sense of urgency. In this case... Why was Yosef running to see his father? If you were to guess, what would it be? Because he wanted to see his father. <laughs> what does Rashi say? He wanted to be machabed. He wanted to give honor to his father. So it's clear from the very first action that Yosef does before the reunion that his thought process wasn't just on his own anticipation and his own excitement to see dad, but it was very much focused on Yaakov. I want to hurry. I can't wait for anyone else to get the chariot ready because I want to be machabed, my father. I want to give him the honor that I have not been able to give him for so many years. Then Vayera Elov, he appears unto him. So Rashi says, just explaining who is he and who is him, Yosef Nira El Aviv, what's happening here is that Yosef appears onto his father. The reason why these two words are very difficult is because it would seem there's no need to tell us that he appeared to his father. If the very next words in the Pasuk are, he fell on his neck and he was crying excessively, so obviously his dad saw him. Why is there a need to point out, Vayera a love that Yosef appeared to his father? So we'll have to explore that, but the last Rashi has always been troubling. And there's a famous morale we'll share, but I want to explore it deeper. Because what's clear from this Pasuk as well is that Yosef was crying on Yaakov. Yaakov was not crying on Yosef. So famously, again, Rashi says, He didn't fall on Yosef's neck. And he didn't even kiss him. Why not? Our rabbis teach us, Yaakov was busy saying the Shema, and that's why he did not embrace, nor did he kiss his son after 22 years. So that needs a lot of explanation. You're so excited to see him, and you're thrilled once you see his face, not only is he alive, but he's living! Oh, Yosef Chai! But as you're actually about to hug and, and, and say Shalom Aleichem, you have to be distracted with something else? You're saying Kriya Shema right now? So Chaim Shmulevitz has a famous piece where he analyzes this Rashi. First off, Vayera, a love that Yosef appears to Yaakov. 
Why is there a need for the Pasuk to tell us this? Obviously, if they're embracing Yosef appeared to his father. So says Rechaim Shmulevitz, the Pasuk is not telling us just the description of where they were and the fact that Yaakov saw Yosef. But the Pasuk is rather giving us an insight into what Yosef's motivation was. Just like when he's getting his chariot together, it wasn't because of his own excitement and his own desire to see his dad, but it was all about wanting to be machabed, wanting to take the opportunity to bring my father joy and kavod. Same thing is happening when they reunite. Yosef was able to almost push aside his own emotion, his own desire, his, his own yearnings for so many years to finally see his father and just focus on giving his father a sense of simcha. Ve'yera a love. The motivation, the intent of Yosef was, I want to appear to my father because I know how much he loves me and I know how much he missed me. And I love him and miss him also. But my main intention here is I want to give you pleasure. I want to be mechabed you. That's v'yera a love. And the way Reb Chaim Shmulevitz defines this at the very end of the piece, he says, Lo haya belibo echad. In the heart of Yosef, he only had one desire, laharos el aviv, to show himself to his father. He wasn't thinking about seeing his father, but it was laharos, to show himself to his father, because he knew that would bring him so much joy. So Yosef seems to be going into this in the most selfless way humanly possible, pushing aside any of his own natural emotion and just focusing on giving his father nachas. But what's Yaakov doing? He's saying kriyashma. So why would you say kriyashma at a time like this? The morale says as follows. You think about most of the time that we say kriyashma. The Pasuk of Shema Yisrael is something that we teach children from the earliest age. It's something that ideally before we leave this world should be the last thing that we say. We have a chiyuv. We have an obligation to say Shema twice a day. But why at this moment, Bedafka? Why now? So says the Meral, then the Ger Aryeh, his commentary on Rashi. He says that Yaakov Avinu knew that the love and the, the gratitude that he would have to Hashem when he was actually reuniting with his son would bring him to a level of devakus, of connection, of closeness with Hashem that he probably never experienced before in his life. Thinking for all of these years that his son was the victim of tragedy, and now having this awakening to realize that this whole thing was divinely orchestrated. The hashkacha pratas, every step of the way, was so incredible. He didn't realize that until now. But now all of these different pieces of the puzzle are coming together. And he has the recognition that the dreams that Yosef spoke about when he was 17 years old are actually coming to fruition the hakaras hatov, that sense of overwhelming joy, that hargasha that Yaakov was about to experience, he knew would be unparalleled. So what do you do with that? If you're about to feel a whole lot of love and reverence to Hashem, 
Don't let that moment pass you by. And therefore, he bedafka planned to say Shema at the height of that hargasha. Explains the Maral. He was feeling this love of Hashem for orchestrating everything. And that's why it was the opportune time to say Kriya Shema, like he never said Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad before in his life. Likely on Yaakov's deathbed, if you were to ask him, what was the best Kriya Shema you ever had? The answer would be, when I saw Yosef at the 22 years. How about the next day? Was it the same? No, not quite the same. Right? Inspiration goes quickly. So what the morale is doing is he's giving us a little bit of an insight as to why Yaakov was saying Shema. And in a sense, he was, he was maximizing that moment. He was taking full advantage of the opportunity. But there is something that always troubled me about this morale. What, what sounds a little bit strange about this, this perspective of Yaakov Avinu? It almost sounds like, and I don't want to use the word because it's not, not appropriate in this context, but it, it almost sounds like Yaakov is, is pulling away from Yosef. He's not allowing himself to, to fully meet and connect and, and engage with Yosef. And he's like using the moment for his own Bain Adam Lemakom, for his own relationship with Hashem, which is an amazing thing to do, right? Any inspiration we have to channel it towards higher levels of love and, and reverence. But if it's going to be at the expense of Yosef, if you're pulling yourself away, why is that the right thing? Yosef is coming into this with, with a total selfless devotion to his father. Everything is to bring nachas. Everything is for you. And Yaakov, although his intention was, was not just to see Yosef alive, it was to see him living, but it still seems like, like there's more of a focus on himself. I'm going to utilize this. I'm going to use you to be able to say Shema in the most powerful way ever. Is that disturbing to you a little bit? So I want to share with you this idea of the Ber Yosef. And when I saw this for the first time last year, I think it really gives a, a different dimension to what's happening here. It adds another layer of insight that, um, that we could really understand and appreciate why Yaakov is saying Kriyashma. Why, why is he choosing to pull away from Yosef or what seems to be pulling away from Yosef? Who was Rav Yosef Salant? Just a brief biographical sketch. He was born in 1885. He passed away in 1981. He was raised in the, uh, the Tahara of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim Shalmala. He was a descendant of the Salant family. Rav Yosef Zundel of Salant, who was the, the renowned Rebbe of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. He uh, was educated in the yeshiva of Eitz Chaim, in the old Yishuv, and he was influenced by Rav Yitzla Petterberger. Rav Yitzla was one of the three main disciples of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. He was a very modest, unassuming man. 
He never had any uh, official position. And even in the writing of the Sefer, Ber Yosef, we'll see in a moment, his intention was not, I want to share my, my chachma with the world. Rather, he was, he was a, a magid of Yerushalayim. He gave drushos. He was a man who was, who was a bucky. He was a, 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 an expert in shas and poskim. And after accumulating so many wonderful ideas, so he was, uh, he was motivated through others, put it into a sefer, have it for posterity. Just to get a glimpse of who we're talking about, to see two of the haskamas in the beginning of the sefer. One haskama is from Dayan Weiss, Zeicher Tzadik, the Kodesh of Racha. And he writes here, this is actually on page 7, Yosef who a shalit who a mashbi lechol am haoris bedrosov hanifloy mesher dorosh dorosh kamin chomer lehamshich libos bnei Yisrael laavino shebeshemayim, referring to Rav Yosef Salant, paraphrasing the pasuk, the idea of Yosef Hatzadik, just like Yosef was able to feed the entire world at that time during the uh, the years of famine, Rav Yosef Salant had the incredible skill of sharing his drushos with everybody, from the gedolim to the ketanim, from those who were well-versed in Torah to those who were not as experienced. And he goes on to sing his praises. If you jump to the haskama of Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arabach, Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Arabach writes as follows, Hamafersomos ein srichen raya, something that is so well-known and established, like Rav Yosef Salant, there's no need for any proof. There's no need for any validating. For me to stand here and sing the praises of this great giant would be a waste of time. Everybody knows who he is. He's uh, filled with Torah and Yerushalayim. Harav, Agonim, Rav Yosef, Tzvi, Salant. Asher milvad godlo b'Torah. And here he gives a little bit of a glimpse into his character. He says, besides his greatness in Torah, yadu'a lepo mapig margolios v'cholim rosav imros Hashem, his speeches, his drashos, are words that are pure, coming, emanating from a source of godliness. And his chedushim, his novel insights, are nichbodim, our beloved Ba'agada in all aspects of Agada, and they're built on Adne Emes, on the pillars of truth. Ki Chachmaso Hagadola Bishas and Poskim, his great wisdom and mastery of Shas and Poskim, he's able to dabble in everything, well, not dabble, is able to entrench himself in everything. He Sha'amdalo Shagam Devara Ba'agada, and now when he shares Chedushim in the realm of Agada, it's coming from Yashrus and Emes, Vidas, Tavuna, Vesovim, Oso. Everything he writes is Yashrus, is straight, is Erlich. Then he says at the end, he said, the truth is, when Rav Yosef Salant asked me to write a Haskama, I was mishtome. I was shocked. Says Shlomo Zalman Arabach in his own humility, why in the world would he ask me to give a haskama to his sefer? Uh, who am I to, uh, to say anything? For me to be maskim, for me to give any level of agreement that what he's saying is valid? 
The only reason I agreed to do so is because you don't turn down a Godel B'Torah. But having a Haskama like this from Dayan Weiss and Roshlomo Zalman Arabach gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the, the greatness of this man. Let's take a look together on page 5, where the Ber Yosef gives us, I, I think, a, a, deeper, a deeper understanding into the motivation of Yaakov Avinu. He says, Yaakov's intention to see Yosef was not just the natural fatherly love. But just like Yosef wanted to appear to his father to give his father nachas, what did Yaakov want to do? Yaakov wanted to see Yosef not because it was a selfish pursuit, but because he wanted to show himself to Yosef. For what reason? Ve'yashpia a love mehod kedushaso, to be able to influence and uplift Yosef through the sheer sanctity of his presence. He understood that although his sons were telling him that Yosef was chai, he was still living, he was still a tzaddik, but undoubtedly he went through so much pain and so much isolation Years of, of, of not knowing that he had a future. And therefore, Becholzos, Yaakov Avina was concerned that maybe after 22 years of living in solitude, in living in the Mekorah uh, Tumah, he wasn't the same. And he needed to be injected with spirituality. Maybe the light of his Torah diminished. So Yaakov thought, explains the Ber Yosef, perhaps the place and the time and the environment has, has, has taken its toll on, on Yosef. And therefore he wanted to show himself to Yosef to inspire him once again, to uplift him from the splendor of his own Kedusha. He knew who he was. Yaakov understood that there was no one in Mitzrayim anything like Yaakov. Yosef didn't see anyone of this caliber in 22 years. Vayetze Yosef Merkavta, and Elamaisi, he paints a picture that's so vivid. He says, imagine the scene. Right? We're spending the entire evening tonight just trying to picture the scene. And when we read the landing on Shabbos, to have a little bit of an appreciation and a joy, knowing to some slight microscopic degree where these two giants are coming from and what they're trying to do, Rabbi Yosef Salant paints the scene. You have this entire entourage coming. And it was royal. It was the real deal. Everyone's crowding around. People are standing there. Everybody knows the leader of Mitzrayim. Everyone's looking with a sense of envy. Everyone looks at Yosef as, as one of the, uh, the famous people in Egypt. Then Yosef gets off of his chariot and he's about to meet his father and there's this feeling that the surrounding people are just watching in awe as these two giants are actually meeting. And although it would have been normal for Yaakov to fall and collapse on his son, just like Yosef fell and collapsed on him, and to hug him and to kiss him, 
Nonetheless, what did he do instead? Atsam Oz S A Nov. He closed his eyes. Yaakov Avinu closed his eyes. And with the sense of reverence and love and trepidation. He cried out. Can you picture this? Right? He cried out, breaking the silence. And he didn't stop there. The Ber Yosef says, when it says in Chazal that he said Kriyishma, it means the entire Kriyishma. He accepted upon himself in a new way, in a more meaningful way than he ever had before. He was giving himself over to Hashem as he was saying the words of Shema. Saying every word, every letter. Why was he doing all this? For one simple reason, to inspire Yosef. And when Yosef was exposed to this energy, when he was standing in the presence, he was, was, was weeping on the neck of his father, but he felt the Kedusha, this awesome Kedusha, the fire of the neshama, from the day he left Yaakov, he never saw anything like this. So the tears that Yosef w- w- was crying, explains the bear Yosef, was not just because he, he was so happy, he was so excited. It was also coming from the fact that he was being influenced at that very moment through that connection from his father. And that's what Rashi means. He was crying owed excessively, meaning to say even more than a son would normally cry after being separated for 22 years. Why was he crying more? Yosef's crime was coming from a spiritual source. Feeling the fire of his father, feeling that, that Kedusha. With this added dimension of the Ber Yosef, when the Maral tells us, when Rashi tells us that Yaakov was saying Kriyashma, he was not chas v'shalom, disengaging or stepping away from Yosef. He wasn't using him or using the moment to, to, to enhance his bein adam l'makom. He had the same selfless motivation as Yosef did. Yosef wanted just to be machabit his father and give his father nachas. And the only thing that Yaakov wanted to do is he wanted to see that his son was not only alive but living not just for his own sipuk hanefesh, not just to feel the satisfaction that my son is following the, the path of Torah, but to be able then to, to shine his own kedusha upon Yosef, to bring him to a higher madrega. That was the reunion between Yaakov and Yosef. I think the application, or at least one Musar Haskel, is that in any relationship, we might not have that emotional backing and, and, the, and, and the drama of the scene because, Baruch Hashem, we're with people that we love all the time. Sometimes it's more difficult, sometimes it's less, less difficult. 
But I think here we have the paradigm of what a loving relationship is. It's not about what I can get from you, what I can gain from you. Are you giving me enough? Are you giving me the same amount that I'm giving you? But it's about as much as possible, I'm focused on you. I'm constantly thinking about you. I'm caring about you not just being alive, but that you're living, that you're thriving, that you're, that you're spiritually well, not just physically well, but you're spiritually and emotionally well. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean I ignore my own feelings. I have to be very in touch with myself as well. But that Yaakov Yosef paradigm is really the, the textbook of what a relationship can be. And the more I could be fully devoted to you, and you could be fully devoted to me, and all I care about is helping you and inspiring you and giving you what you need and vice versa, then it's a kesher shel kayama. It's a love that continues to grow and to flourish. Hashem, we should be zocha to make all of our relationships as much as possible, emulating the path that was set by Yaakov and Yosef. A good Shabbos.